Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Hope these are what you're expecting. If they're not and you need some changes, let me know or adding, subtracting. I'm happy to do whatever we need so that you're getting what you need and we're getting what we need so we can keep raising kids, educating ourselves and being a really solid community. This week we are talking about something that's very interesting, but I want to talk about what we talked about the last time, which was interesting because it's called shame and it's a word that many people I don't think understand it to the way that we discussed it so if you haven't heard that podcast take a listen to it but we talked about it from many different angles what makes an earnest apology where does shame really originate from within us we talked about even why evoking a feeling of empathy is much better than a feeling of being shameful when something happens and what is the difference between empathy and shame and empathy and sympathy and shame and all those kind of great things and you can find all of it on this podcast which is also on my website at www.drsophie.com or on my iPhone phone app that is free to download so help yourself or call me anytime at 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW or 1-855-767-4966 but all the information you need is somewhere on one of those three places so this week joining me to talk about obsessive compulsive personality disorder which I want to find out how that differs by just having simple OCD traits is a expert on the topic Joshua Kendall he is a freelance journalist who has worked on numerous publications including the Boston Globe the Wall Street Journal Business Week LA Times Washington Post a ton of places he'll tell us all about he's got a book he's got a lot of stuff Joshua are you with me yes uh, pleasure to be here how are you good are you obsessive compulsive I'm, I'm obsessed with the obsessed uh, I've written uh, two biographies on obsessive wordsmiths one on Peter Roger the author of Roger's thesaurus another one on Noah Webster uh, the author of Webster's Dictionary. And this month I'm coming out with a book about seven American icons who were obsessed, uh, from Thomas Jefferson to uh, the Boston baseball great Ted Williams. Wow, that's interesting. So tell me a little bit about what, in your mind, makes you think somebody is obsessed. And uh, that's different than possessed, right? <laughs> different, different from possessed. And I argue that my icons from Jefferson to Ted Williams to Charles Lindbergh to Melville Dewey had obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. In psychiatry speak, that's referred to as OCPD, as opposed to OCD. Uh, OCD is, is very common. Everyone, a lot of people will say, oh, I have a touch of OCD. Right, right. Everybody's saying that these days. Yeah. I'll, I'll, they'll straighten up their desk and make sure the paper is properly aligned. And uh, But that's not, and I'm kind of talking about, but not really. So let me step back and give some definitions. Thank you. People with OCD, really bad OCD, have a lot of trouble functioning. Those are people who are constantly checking things. In a classic scenario, uh, you might be someone who doesn't want to leave the house because they're afraid it's going to burn down, and they'll check the burner on the stove a thousand times, and they're still not convinced that they're safe and it's safe to leave. Now, are these the people OCD. washing their hands, too? Exactly. Oh, okay. or, or a famous example of an icon, Howard Hughes. Yeah, if you've seen the movie, uh, and he's about 60 years old, he has long right. hair, and he's sitting in the middle of the hotel of a hotel room in the germ-free zone. Right, right, right. Totally paralyzed. So that's OCD. 
Howard Hughes, as a young man, was very functional, but by the time he's in his 50s and 60s, he's totally out of it. And my icons were all super productive, and they had obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, and that's defined, these guys are control freaks, so they love order and cleanliness, but they're not paralyzed by it. Ah, so that's that's the key. Yeah, and I start my book by talking about Steve Jobs. In 1984, he was about 30, and Apple was uh, manufacturing the Mac in, in Fremont, and, and the first first Mac was coming out. And he used to do dust checks wow. with his white gloves mm. on the factory floor uh, to make sure that the factory was perfectly clean. Now, compare that to Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was paralyzed uh, by his worries about cleanliness, but Steve Jobs celebrated it. So when it wasn't perfectly clean, he'd yell at his assistant, someone whom I interviewed recently, you know, clean this up. Right. But this was his brand. So he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't paralyzed. He was super active. And all of his quirks, uh, cleanliness, order, control, rules, lists, paradoxically, that became the skill set that enabled him to build uh, the behemoth that is today, Apple Inc. Got it. Okay. So, so that you're saying basically the biggest issue between compul- obsessive compulsive personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder is the paralyzation of one's ability to function. So, so the, the people with OCD have difficulty functioning. The people with the personality disorder function better than well. People with the personality disorder are, often do very well. They're CEOs or they're great athletes, and they're the and they rarely seek treatment. They're the type of people who drive other family members uh, to seek treatment. Okay, they're very tough customers. Uh, they get angry and, and they're difficult to get to deal with. But they, uh, uh, whereas the OCD people realize, oh my gosh, um, I don't have any friends. Right. I'm having right. a hard time working, and, and they they go to therapy and take medication. All right. So the OCPDs are moving along in life and almost productive and really doing well. So if you say that, what is the cause of this then? I mean, uh, when I you're looking at a lot stuff. of experts, and in my book, uh, I, I, I profile seven icons, and what seems to come out uh, in all the stories is a very tough early life. One of my uh, obsessives is Ted Williams. He said, I, I lived only for my next time at bat. You know, couldn't stop thinking about the perfect swing. As a little boy, he grew up in San Diego, and his mother was a religious nut. She was out uh, 15 hours a day, uh, jingling her 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 uh, jingling for the Salvation Army, her tambourine for the Salvation Army. She was never at home. His father was an alcoholic, and as a little boy, his his closest attachment was to his baseball bat. Okay. Kind of like Linus. So, Linus. With his blanket. Uh, in, in the Charles Schultz. Yeah. Uh, and, and the bat was what he loved and what he was obsessed with. And that relationship, uh, and, he, and he thus became the greatest hitter. Okay. So I have, a, I have a question for you then. Are you saying that this early life stuff was a trauma kind of thing? Or are you saying yeah. that their thinking was just that way genetically uh, it's, it's a hard to rule out genetic factors but usually what happens is that the uh, as one psychiatrist 
told me that the obsession out that when you can't control the events in your life, right? When you can't control your mother's being away, or your father's drinking, there's something you can control, which are uh, a lot of these obsessives very early in life became collectors, and they love details or they love numbers. So it's kind of a way of, of, of gaining control. And paradoxically, it's kind of a cure to an existential crisis. Put yourself in the shoes of the young Ted Williams. How are you going to navigate with all that chaos? They sort of latch on to something, and the solution to the existential crisis becomes this lifelong mental health condition. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And I see that in, in a lot of people that I treat as well. But do you think, I will take this one question for me, and then we'll go to a caller. Do you think IQ plays a role in either... Or of any of this, any place in this? You know, I think to become an icon, there's a certain genius. You know that 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 these kids are really clever, and those who latch on to the OCPD, it's a very clever strategy if you think about it. Yeah, it is. So Thomas Jefferson also had a kind of chaotic early life, and and he was one of the most brilliant uh, men in our history. And and have there been any studies done to look at the IQs of any of these people? I don't know of, of particular studies, but certainly. You know, the icons are Steve Jobs, who it was adopted and had some chaos in his early life, you know, was a genius. So there certainly is a correlation that needs to be explored further, but I don't think there's a lot of data on that. We're going to take a caller. Hang on. Rodrigo, are you with us? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? You're on with myself and Joshua. Oh, thanks for taking the call. I was uh, just a little bit curious about what the causes of, of OCD or OCPD are, and particularly where the, you could uh, develop it later in life. And the reason I'm asking this is because towards the end of his life, there's, there's all these stories in, in my family about my grandfather becoming really, really particular about things, and, and, and some of the symptoms I kind of sort of recognize as, as potentially OCD. So is, is this something that I should be on the lookout for or watch out for? That's a good question. You mean is it genetic also? Right. Ah, got it. What do you think, Joshua? Uh, I think, again, it, it, it's really hard with genetic factors because there's no OCPD gene. I mean, it, it's really hard, but, but it's hard at the same time, it's hard to, to exclude it. But I think uh, with, with older people, it seems like in general with older people, they tend to become sort of more themselves. So maybe the person kind of had it under control while they were in midlife, and then late in life, it kind of pops out. So I could see that, uh, you know, maybe the person was a little obsessional uh, during when they were active, and then late in life. So, so it's definitely possible it could pop out uh, late in life. Uh, and again, there's a difference between OCD and the, and the personality disorder, and sometimes people have both, but uh, oftentimes uh, they are separate. So someone who... Uh, has the personality disorder, you know, it, it doesn't have those little OCD-ish quirks. So, Rodrigo, the bottom line is, watch, if you start washing your hands, man, you better get some help. <laughs> All right. I, I appreciate that. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thanks. So, jo Joshua, we have an email from Chris in Gainesville. He's asking, what are the treatment options for someone diagnosed with OCPD? What yeah. do you think? Uh, that's a fascinating question, and I deal with it in my epilogue. Uh, before I get it, because I spoke to a bunch of experts, and one of the fascinating things is, is if you have a Steve Jobs who's creating this multi-billion-dollar corporation, you even want to treat him because you might, right. you, 
let's say you gave him medication. Let's say at, at age 30 when he was doing his dust checks, someone said, uh, how about a minor tranquilizer? He might not have had the energy to shake up the world in the innovative way that he did. Uh, in general, uh, psychiatrists find that medication doesn't really help for the personality. And, and basically, uh, people with personality disorder come to treatment for two reasons. One is that family members will demand it, uh, uh, let's say a wife or uh, usually a spouse or a husband. Uh, and another reason is if they crash and burn. Ah. That's, yeah. The obsessives can get a little bit out of control. Uh, sometimes they don't know when to stop. I mean, Steve Jobs was, you know, was was re, was was altering five different industries at the same time. Yeah, I mean, there is a point where you burn out or you crash and burn, or you know, unless you're guided enough and connected enough to know when to stop or slow it down. Because right, they're compulsive, they can't stop. Right. One of the, uh, and, and, so, and so if they do crash and burn. Then there's some management consultants whom I, with whom I spoke who you know, can argue for some just helping them think about their relationships. They tend to, they tend, they tend to, they don't like to delegate and they like to do everything their way. And uh, right. in that, and sometimes they can learn to change that and become more of a team player and that can ease their stress. Uh, I, there's also cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy. Sometimes that, they can do homework. I spoke with. That's what I was going to ask you. What What did you find out about CBT or EMDR? Any of those kinds of treatments? Yes, CBT can help. They can sometimes do homework assignments. One fellow I spoke with is, who teaches at Cornell in New York said that they can just try like walking home. They, they, they're very rigid, and they can just try doing something a different way, walking home a different way. They tend to like their patterns because they're the type of people tend not to find comfort in other people, but comfort right. in things. Ted Williams, the love of his life was his baseball bat. Charles Lindbergh, uh, who had a lot of girlfriends, the love of his life was his plane. I mean, they tend to feel most comfortable with things rather than people and routine. Well, that's, I guess would assume that because they can count on them and control them, and it's pretty exactly. consistent. Yeah, and early in life, they haven't had control, and they're always afraid that their mother's never going to, you know, their spouse is yep. never going to be there or something. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Have you talked to anybody who had actual treatment, like CBT, MDR, anybody who can tell you if it was I, beneficial? I didn't speak with contemporary patients. I have, I wrote something for Psychology Today a few years ago where I illustrated the difference between OCPD and OCD and there, I, for my example of OCPD, I used the uh, reality TV star Jeff Lewis. Uh, yeah. who, if you've seen his show on Bravo. Uh, I, I, we, ha we have to be kind. He's a friend of mine, okay. Okay, <laughs> you know, from California. But, you know, the house flipper and his brand, I mean, his houses are beautifully organized. They are. Uh, and, and that's really his brand. He's someone like a Steve Jobs where he celebrates his cleanliness and his order. And he realizes that it's basically an asset, although he is worried every once in a while that he's yeah. a little bit out of control. All right, let's take another call, and then we'll come back and talk. Alan, you with us? Yes, hi. Hey, you're on with myself and Joshua. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Um, Chad, uh, a quick question. I grew up with a parent that had OCD, um, and it was tough. I didn't really know what it was. Um, I didn't really know how to deal with it. Um, do you have any... 
like advice for young kids dealing with a parent who has OCD because they might not, you know, understand what it is. Yeah, it's got to be tough. Exactly. That's a great question. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? Uh, it's a re- really good question. So again, the OCD as opposed to the personality disorder. So, so a parent with OCD is is going to not be functioning very well. They're going to be very preoccupied with the rituals, with the washing or, or the checking. So it's very tough uh, for a child to take that in, and usually there's going to be some, you know, basically some depression. The, the parent's going to be a little bit tuned out, and, and it's really hard for a child to understand that, and I guess the parent, I think it's really the parent's responsibility. I mean, the, the parent needs to get the treatment and then somehow clue the child in that I have this problem and it's not your fault. But if they're not, what do you tell? I mean, how does a child navigate through something like that? It's got to be tough. That's just so. That's just so tough. I mean, there are teachers they can go to. There are people they can go to to kind of say, you know, this is what's going on at home. What do you think? And that would maybe raise an awareness. But you know, yeah. hopefully, parents and, and would want help. You need to sympathize with the parent, but the parent, you know, you know, it's not the parent's fault either. But the parent, you know, in a good situation, should just seek the treatment and just realize that it's going to be confusing for the right. kids. And if there's other adults in this parent's life to kind of get them to feel safe enough to get some kind of treatment. Yeah, and, and just to make sure that the kid, because otherwise the kid starts feeling, oh my God, I'm a bother to my mother who you know, is always checking and doesn't have time for me. I'm doing something wrong. And yeah, it kills their self-esteem. Yeah, so that's really the danger. So, Alan, the good thing you could do is like start to get out there and speak about it and see if there's kids that are stuck yeah, and get them yeah, unstuck. That's, that's, really, that's really tough and... and kids are going to, yeah, it's really going to chip away at their sense of self. And, and Totally. Yeah, I was like, I, maybe I was wrong, but it's really just a problem that, you know, yeah. parents had. Yep. It's very tough. So, I mean, any, you know, speaking you can do or any awareness you can raise, that's great because it is up to the parent to get the help, and sometimes they're not even aware that they need the help. Yeah, yeah. But with OCD, uh, they often do get the help because the parents realize that they're, you know, not working or they don't have enough friends. Yeah, or they're not functional or something. And, and it's a- OCPD that can be dangerous, too, because those parents are really controlling. One of my uh, obsessives in the book, Thomas Jefferson, had OCPD, and I, and I analyzed how he treated his daughter, and he gave his daughter a bunch of lists and told her how to behave, and he was very controlling. So that's tough, too. Uh, it is tough. Those people uh, tend to be very sort of proud of it. And, and you know, this, I'm, tell, I'm educating you. I'm doing this for you. And he said, you have to do music practice here, and you have to be clean, and gave her all these rules. And that can be very tough. And, again, the problem with the child is it's not equal. and it's Right. Really I mean, it, it can even border abuse sometimes and neglect. So if that is the case, you can always call the child abuse hotline, your local hotline and that'll raise the awareness that somebody comes out to the house to take a look at the situation as well yeah that's really really tough yes but thank you that was a great question and i'm sure a lot of people have that issue okay thank you you. so joshua tell me i mean what would you say how common is ocpd before i let you go i want to know that yeah it's more common than people think uh there's one study that came out in 2012 that's up up to about 8%, could be as high as 8% of the American wow. population. And 
I argue uh, in my book that you think of some of the greatest American achievements, the Declaration of Independence, the iPhone, the 400 batting average. Absolutely. Uh, the Dewey Decimal System. Some of our greatest achievements can be traced back to obsessional behavior. And the, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the challenge is to kind of channel it for good and kind of mute the harsh side of it because people with it can be very demanding on their employees or their spouses or their children. Right. It's that rigidity and that control. But if you can teach them to loosen that grip a little bit, it can be a great strength for all of humanity. Exactly. So tell me, where do we find you and what should we know about you? I have a website, uh, joshuaccendall.com. This book comes out. America's Obsessives comes out at the end of June. Great. And I'm now writing a new book uh, because of Jefferson and his, and his daughter. I, I have a new book that I'm working on uh, called First Dads, about U.S. presidents and their children, and this whole question about what do we learn about the leadership style and about the personality of U.S. presidents. So um, interesting. Studying how they, how they treated their children. So they're the fathers of our country, but they're also the fathers of... Absolutely. Their parents themselves. So tell me, where do we get this book in June? Uh, it's coming out from Grand Central, uh, and you can get it at your local bookstore. Got it. Well, thank you so much for your expertise. This has been very helpful. Okay, we'll be buying that book. We'll be tweeting about it. Okay. And uh, please, feel free to come back anytime. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Wow. I feel like I have OCPD. I don't know. But it's not a bad thing, I guess. So we talked about OCPD versus OCD. We had some great callers today. And there is a difference between the actual obsessive-compulsive personality disorder and obsessive-compulsive disorder. And there's a chunk of things I'd like you to take away today. We had some great voicemails. We had some good, uh, I mean, uh, callers. We had whatever they're called. We had uh, good questions to spark a lot of interest and a lot of information from our expert, Joshua Kendall. But these are the keys I think you need to take away. One is that there is a difference between OCD and OCPD. And OCD, the actual obsessive compulsive disorder, is much more dysfunctional. It, it doesn't allow you to work through your life and kind of get to your job and sleep and eat and parent and all that kind of stuff with ease versus OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, that is much more fluid and flexible. Though you have those high levels of anxiety, you're using them in positive ways where you're able to really actually, even though it's annoying to others, you're still using it in a positive way to kind of further yourself, your ideas, and that drive that brings us some of the world's best things like we learned from Joshua today, Steve Jobs. And, you know, we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have that kind of OCPD used in the right way versus OCD, which can kind of shut you down. So that's the number one thing. There's a difference between the two, and one is much more functional in life than the other. The next thing I think that we learned was that a lot of this, whether it's the personality disorder or the, or the disorder itself, stems from early childhood traumatic kinds of events, whether it was an absent parent or an, un, an abusive parent or whatever it is that created a conflict within a child. They learn to use their resources, intellect, their world, their, their resources of everything within them to be able to cope with that trauma or that loss or that abandonment or whatever is going on and they use it in different ways and all of those ways are dictated by how high their IQ is the environment they live in the kinds of cultures they live in all that kind of stuff so it will formulate but it all stems from some early childhood issue slash trauma so that's a very important thing to know 
The third thing to really understand is there is treatment, whether you have the disorder or you have the personality disorder, and a lot of the treatment is really geared at trying to understand yourself, of course, connecting your head, connecting your heart, being able to know what's going on and what triggers anxiety in general for you. But the bigger key and place the treatment is at is to really break some of that anxiety and rigidity. So pushing yourself out of the realm of typical, so maybe not coming home the same way every day or you know starting in small places to break rigidity in your life and learning to be comfortable with the sweating and the anxiety that may come from doing something different so that you're able to expand your life a little bit more and you're not so obsessive and compulsive around life and you have to follow every rule every day all the same time at the same way blah 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 you're able to do it differently and tolerate it and then the fourth thing to understand is it is pretty prevalent in our population some form of obsessive compulsive thinking and then behaving because remember obsessive compulsive is obsessive thinking compulsive behaviors it's this obsessive thought that then translates to compulsive behavior so in that we have about eight percent of the general population which is pretty significant but the other good piece of this is it's not a life sentence there is treatment so take a listen write in look up Joshua get that book it's gonna be very interesting he does a lot of good studies and understandings and takes apart and dissects some really great people who were OCPD who were very, very beneficial for us as a world. All the information is available on my website at www.drsophie.com. My new phone app is available on the iTunes store, so go check it out. Got all this information on it, all the podcasts. Download it for free. Call me anytime, 1-855-767-4966. The book is out there side by side. The Revolutionary Mother-Daughter Program for Conflict-Free Communication. Help yourself do it. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing is don't forget to sweep. But you got to keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, you got to keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, I know it's hard.